forth between the New Testament and the Old Testament. And we are currently in a series from the New Testament, from the book of Hebrews. And um, that's what we've been working our way through. And we will continue, Lord willing, to work our way through this in the days ahead. But uh, on this day, I, I, as I was praying and I was thinking about it, Lord, what would you have me to say on this special day? Because we do think it's a special day. Uh, when you're here as a visitor, we want, number one, for you to experience the love of Christ. We want you to feel welcome, and I trust that that's been your experience this morning. But the one thing that we aim to do here at Community Baptist Church is to always open up the truth of God's Word, rightly dividing the Word of truth. I know we live in a postmodern world, and we're going to talk about some of that this morning, that tries to say truth. What is truth? So we're going to look at that this morning. The series that you'll see here is, comes from, uh, and I always look for other opportunities for this. Several years back, my wife and I were at, uh, uh, my alumni at uh, Piedmont Baptist College. It's now Piedmont International University. And they had a guest speaker, uh, one of the heroes of the faith, one of the great thinkers of our time, uh, Dr. Norman Geisler. And if you ever get an opportunity to pick up anything from Norman Geisler, he is the, uh, uh, one of the leading apologists in the world today, one of the deep thinkers of the Christian faith. And so uh, Allison, uh, her number was drawn, and she won his life work of PowerPoints. Now, my wife, being the nice lady that she is, immediately handed it to me and said, go get it. So what, a lot of what you're going to see today is Norman Geisler's work in the way of presenting truth. And so I want to share that with you. It's a good opportunity. Also, uh, many of the things you'll see today you can find in some, some other books. So if you're interested, you maybe want to write these down. If you like what you hear today or you don't like what you hear today, but you want to learn more about it, uh, here are some resources for you to check out. Evidence for Christianity by Josh McDowell. Evidence for Christianity. Hey, it's a, it's a brief read. Uh, we also have um, Why I Am a Christian. Leader, leading thinkers explain why they believe. Why I Am a Christian. And this was by Norman Geisler and also Paul Hoffman. Uh, another good resource. Many different writers in that one. This is the go-to every Christian must have on their shelf. The new evidence that demands a verdict. This is by uh, Josh McDowell. Many of you know his story in that uh, he talks about setting out to disprove the scriptures, to disprove the Bible, to disprove this whole thing. And in the process of all of his investigation, he came to a disturbing fact. It was true. And he became a born-again believer. So, those are some resources, and this one's probably a little, if you're like me, <laughs> the more go-to. Uh, a little real short read, and it's an easy read, but it's called One Heartbeat Away, Your Journey into Eternity. It's by Mark Cahill. Mark Cahill is a former basketball player, played with Charles Barkley, good friends with him, and he too became a born-again believer, played for Auburn, and uh, great read. And uh, this also, you'll see some quotes in our presentation today from, from uh, his book as well. So those are some resources. Again, more than happy to hook you up with some of those. In fact, I'll be glad to loan those out to you if you're interested in borrowing those. But let me start by asking you this morning. 
Whether you're a visitor, whether you're a member, whether you're an attender, what do you believe? It's a rhetorical question. Please don't answer out loud. What do you believe? Because newsflash, every single person within the sound of my voice believes something. Everyone has faith. The question is, what is your faith in? That's the honest question of the heart. What is your faith in? There are many who say, oh, there's no such thing as God. Therefore, their faith is in there's no God. The atheistic view. But don't let the atheists tell you they don't believe that they don't have faith. They do have faith. They have faith that when they die, they hope there's nothing. And look, the world is full of all types of beliefs. But every single person has a belief system. What do you believe? Let's explore some of this. John Tilston said, He who provides for this life, but takes no care for eternity, is wise for a moment, but a fool forever. Good quote, seeing yesterday was April Fool's Day. I like to call it National Atheist Day. Pay close attention. Because guys, here's what I believe wholeheartedly. It's worth the investigation. If you go out of here today and it goes in one ear and out the other, which is typical of most of us, let's just be honest. I'll start calling. I'll have a calling list. Secretary, please write this down. Calling list every Monday and Tuesday. Hey, what was yesterday's message about? <laughs> no, anyway. Hey, don't answer the phone, right? <laughs> Good answer, that's right. <laughs> it's the pastor. Quick, hide. <laughs> the Bible says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense or a reason to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear or meekness and gentleness. Christian, if you are here today and you're a born-again believer, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know, pastor preaches this one a lot. This message today comes from a passion that always rests on my heart, and that is in the area of what we call apologetics. It comes from this word, this idea of defense, this idea of giving a reason for the hope that is within us. Apologia, it's the word that's used there. And so as believers, we need to know why we believe it. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Eternity is at stake. Here's the problem. There's a problem because we recognize that the world gives one philosophy to mankind and the church, we'll say the born-again believers, we give another philosophy. But they're opposing views. They're opposing beliefs. So let's take a look at these problems. The church affirms truth can be known. We say, yes, truth can be known. The world says, truth can't be known. We say, truth is absolute. It's settled. It's got a fixed object. The world says, truth is relative. I heard somebody just yesterday, 
uh, talking about, actually, no, I take that back. It was when I was down at Mr. Holton's uh, surgery uh, this week. Pray for Mr. Holton. He's recovering. But uh, down at Chapel Hill, I, I heard two very sophisticated businessmen standing behind me in the Starbucks line, and they were talking about, oh, it's all relative. Not every view is true. That's what we believe. Not every view is true. It can't be. But the world says every view is true. That's true for you, but that's not true for me. I'm glad that's true for you. You ever hear that one? That's your truth. Are we really that? Anyway. We say Christ is the only way. The world says Christ isn't the only way. Surely that's not so. We say miracles do happen. We believe miracles have happened. The world says miracles don't happen. We say the Bible's reliable. The world says the Bible isn't reliable. It's dated, it's archaic. You've heard all the arguments that the world likes to throw out there. This seems to be a problem, doesn't it? Well, here's the solution. I'll tell you what else would be a solution. Could somebody kick some air on back there? It's getting a little hot. <laughs> Today's sermon. You think it's hot here? Anyway. <laughs> some of y'all get that joke on the drive home. <laughs> anyway. Thank you. Apologetics. We must defend the truth to our times. God has raised you up in this day. You remember the story of Esther. For such a time as this. Guys, you are living in 2017. You are on this little blue planet for a purpose and a reason. And it's for a time such as this. Paul, the apostle, said in Philippians 1.17, I am set for the defense of the gospel. You are set for the defense of the gospel. Are you ready to defend the gospel? Are you ready to tell others what you believe and why you believe it? You know, we gather every week, week in, week out, not to just do some religious ceremony and go out the door. We gather here so that you can be equipped and built up in the faith, in what you believe, so that when you go in the world, you are able to be salt, you are able to be light, you are able through your life, through your words, through your actions, be a defense of the gospel. Know how you ought to answer each one. Colossians 4, 6. Know how you ought to answer each one. Now that doesn't mean you've got to have the answer for everything. Don't be the know-it-all. Nobody likes the know-it-all, right? That was my knee. You heard that? Yeah, and it was the other one when I turned. Man. Know how you ought to answer each one. Give a reason for the hope that's within you. 1 Peter 3, 15. Jude 3 says, contend for the faith. Once for all delivered to the saints. Once for all. Apologetics is the solution. The truth. What is truth? In uh, the Gospel of John, if you have a Bible you want to go there, we'll read a little bit here. The Gospel of John. It's so the sermon don't get dry for you visitors. Okay, I get to use that when visitors come. I love it. My people are like, yeah, it's like the 800th time you've said it. 
All right, look in John, the Gospel of John, verse in chapter 18. Let's go to chapter 18 of John. By the way, if you need a Bible, there are Bibles there in the, in the pew in front of you. Did, um, yeah, could, I tell you what, Tiago, if you wouldn't mind, maybe uh, grab the key for those thermostats. Yeah, I still see people out there fanning. We're going to get the old Baptist revival going, ain't we? All right. Notice in chapter 18, and I want to look in verse 37. And you remember here, uh, Jesus has been uh, taken in. He's been um, uh, wrongly accused, obviously. He's been brought to trial before Annas uh, in the cover of night. Uh, after his arrest. He's also gone to trial before Caiaphas. All this, again, being done completely against the, the, the system that was in place, being done secretly, being done wrongly. And, they, of course, they had you know, folks coming in who were lying about him. And, and so he then comes before Pilate. And this is what he says when he's standing before Pilate. And Pilate has been investigating the situation. Notice then... In verse 33, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I've come into the world. Notice what his cause was for coming into the world. That I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who's of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. What is truth? Truth is what tells it like it is. Truth is what tells it like it is. You say, well, yeah, my spouse tells me the truth all the time. It's a good man. Truth is what corresponds to the facts. If it doesn't correspond to the facts, it's not true. It matches its object. Let me demonstrate. A true statement matches its object. This object is a table. Now, it's funny, you all sit here and we kind of laugh at this, but I tell you there are people in the world who will argue to your blue in the face and tell you that's not a table. Oh, that's a table because you say it's a table, but why do you say it's a table? Really? It's a table, man! Get over it! What is false? False is what does not tell it like it is. Does not correspond to the facts. What is false does not match its object. How do we know? Well, because it's self-defeating 
to deny it. For example, I can't speak a word in English. Isn't that in English? How about this? Is truth telling it like it is? Truth is not telling it like it is. Isn't that telling it like it is? See, the world loves to do these kind of things to us. Uh, we just need to stop and pause and think for a second. Can we know the truth? No one knows the truth. Then how do you know that is true? I mean, think about this. These are the conversations we should be having because people love to trump you Christians on your belief system with absolutes, with authoritative statements, with belief claims. But you're the one who has to compartmentalize what you believe. Why? Guys, the Christians used to operate in the realm of the great thinkers. We used to have a seat at the table in the dialogue and the discourse of society. We've been pushed out. Now, we know why we've been pushed out. All you need to do is read the Bible to understand that we're no friend of this world. Neither was Jesus. Is truth absolute? I love asking this question to people. Just try it tomorrow at work at the water cooler. Hey, uh, Johnny, you think uh, truth is absolute? No way, man. Truth's not absolute. Is that absolutely true? Elijah says yes. <laughs> is truth absolute? Yes, of course it is. And for anybody to contradict that, they're making a claim of truth. <laughs> okay. It's true for you, but not for me. We hear this one. So next time somebody says, well, it's true for you, but not for me. Is that true for you, but not for me? You see the problem with this little dance we're doing? Think about this for a second. You say, yeah, but that's religion. Guys, we demand absolute truth in everything in life. In safety. You want to know when your kids go out to this playground that they're going to be safe, right? How about money? Try this at the bank. Next time you go to the bank, yeah, be real happy when they say, well, you say you should get back X amount of money, but uh, that's your truth. My truth says you need to get back Y amount. <laughs> Have fun. No, 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 no. That ain't how it works. Yeah, try that at the bank. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You demand absolute truth. Listen, my check was for X amount. You didn't give me X amount. I need X amount. How about medicine? Hmm. Yeah. Now we think a little different, huh? How about advertising? People get sued over false advertisement, right? We demand truth in advertising. We, dem we demand truth in medicine. We demand truth in our money exchanges. We demand truth in safety. We demand truth in relationships. Well, dear, I know you believe we're married, but that's your truth. I'm married to everyone. That's my truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Slap and then some. We demand absolute truth in relationships. So question. Think about court proceedings. Yeah, 
He murdered, he raped one of your family members. But that just seems harsh to punish him because that's y'all's truth. My truth is, let him go. Would we stand for that? And I know a lot of people say, well, we're putting up with a lot of that in the courts these days. Guys, this is what happens when we leave the source of objective truth. You want to know what's going on in the world today? You want to know why there's so many problems in safety and money and medicine and advertising and relationships and court proceedings? It's simple. We've left the source, the objective truth. We're no longer saying it's a table. We're saying it's a chair if you want it to be a chair. We're saying it's a window if you want to make it a window. The point is this. We no longer take what has been revealed as God's word, as God's truth, as our objective standard. And instead, we become the subjective standard. We determine if it's right or wrong. That's not how it works. It doesn't work in any of these areas. It doesn't work when it comes to the light of eternity and when it comes to life. Safety, money, medicine, advertising, relationships, court proceedings. So why not in what matters forever? If you want to know truth in these other areas, why would you not want to know truth in the other areas when it comes to eternity? Why would you want to know truth there? We're going to move quick because I already see what time it is. And that's the truth. Are all views true? Are all views true? The plurists claim they are. Well, there's many paths up the mountaintop to God. Choose your path. <laughs> Hogwash. Consider the elephant story. This is, this is kind of the... Some of you know, you're familiar with the elephant story. Okay. Six blind men and the elephant. Here's the way it goes. So there's six blind men. And one blind man, he reaches out and in his experience, he feels what he thinks, oh, this is a fan. Yeah, that's what this is. His, per his perception, his perspective is this is a fan. The other blind man feels the side and says, oh, no, 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 no. That's not a fan. This is a wall. That's his perspective. This is a wall. That's what he perceives. The other pulls the tail of the elephant and says, you guys are both wrong. It's a rope. Man, you're morons. It's a rope. Anybody can tell this is a rope. The other one grabs the leg and says, no, 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 no. It's a tree. It's a tree. The next one says, filling the tusk, I'm afraid all of you are wrong. It's a spear. It's a spear. The last one grabs the trunk and says, hmm, y'all have missed it completely. It's a snake. It's a snake. Six blind men with six differing views, six differing perspectives, six differing claims on what they believe to be true. Sound familiar? Are all these views true? The world says, coexist, man, gotta coexist. Let's just all get along. Why can't we all get along? That sounds lovely, doesn't it? But you want to know what the truth is? It should be contradict. 
If you look at the belief systems and explore what they're teaching, guys, they don't coexist. They contradict. When you've got one religion that says Jesus was not a prophet, he was not God in the flesh, he did not die on the cross, he did not get buried, he did not rise again. That's a complete contradiction to the claim that's being put forth from biblical Christianity. That doesn't coexist. It contradicts. They can't all be true. And to deny this is to be intellectually dishonest. Don't let the pressure of the world put you into a mold, into a box to be like them. Think. God gave you a brain to use, to think about the claims that He's put forth through creation. You look at creation. You don't say, Boy, it must have been a big explosion. Pretty though, ain't it? No, you look at creation and you say, Wow. Look at the beauty of this creation. There must have been a creator. You don't look at a building and say, Wow, big explosion in a brick factory. Pretty amazing. I wonder if we could reproduce it and get a bigger church. No. You look at a church building and you say, Wow, beautiful church building. There must have been a builder. So, they're all wrong. You say, oh, wait a minute. I know some of you are eyeballing Christianity. Guys, there are a lot of people under the umbrella that claim Christianity. Now, I don't want to pick on some of them, but I will. Jehovah's Witnesses. Mormons. Look at their claim. They're teaching a different Jesus. They're not teaching the Jesus of the Bible. And if you just have a conversation at the door, you don't know that. But I guarantee if your bank statement's wrong, you're going to explore your bank statement to figure out where it went wrong. So why don't we do the same on truth claims of, of things that eternally matter? The absolute truth is... <laughs> This is an elephant. If you open your eyes, you would see it's an elephant. Guys, God's not trying to hide the elephant in the room. There is a truth that can be known. So how do you tell a counterfeit? Well, not by superficial similarities. Again, people want to, and I understand, play the violin, and it's syrupy sweet, and it's nice, it makes us feel better. Can't we all just get along? But look, superficial similarities is not what you judge truth by. It's not how you tell a counterfeit but by crucial differences. That's how you point out what a counterfeit is. Now, I'm sure some of you folks who've worked in banks, maybe you've been trained in this, and so you, you're trained to identify counterfeits. Well, don't they have things in common? Yes, so do a counterfeit and a genuine $20 bill. Yeah, they have things in common. Of course they do. They're both paper. They both are rectangular. They both have a 20 on them. But one is a counterfeit. Opposites can't both be true. Opposites can both be true. Is the opposite of that true? You heard of the uh, opposite of true is false, the law of non-contradiction? Opposite ideas cannot both be true at the same time and 
in the same sense. For example, the earth is round. The earth is not round. <laughs> we have a problem here, right? And crazy as it sounds, there are actually people today trying to bring back this philosophy, this thought, that the earth is actually flat. It's not round. Yeah, there are people, and it's a strong movement. It's graining momentum amongst the college kids today. Some of them. These are law of non-contradiction. It can't be round and flat at the same time in the same sense, right? In the same sense. How about this one? Uh, anyone who denies the law of non-contradiction should be beaten and burned until he admits that to be beaten is not the same as to not be beaten. And to be burned is not the same as to not be burned. Interesting quote. Uh, again, yes, it is a great Muslim philosopher, but when it comes to nailing this idea of the law of non-contradiction, he nails it. To be beaten is not the same as to not be beaten, right? Anybody doesn't believe that, please step forward at the end of the service. I'll help you out with understanding that. Just kidding. Just kidding. The truth about truth. All truth claims are absolute. They're narrow and exclusive. Truth by definition, guys, is exclusive. Truth by definition is exclusive. It can't be truth without excluding other answers. That's why it's called truth. Even the pluralist claim that every religion is true is an exclusive claim since it excludes the opposites. How about this? Number two, truth is discovered, not invented. Truth is discovered, not invented. It exists independently of anyone's knowledge of it. For example, did gravity exist before Newton discovered it? This is the interactive part. Yes, of course it did. Truth is discovered. And this is why it's such a passion of mine to try and reason with people. Guys, the truth is there. God has not hidden it. He doesn't want it to be some great mystery. But we don't seek to know truth in eternal matters. Why? Because the Bible is true and it says there's a real enemy of your soul and he has blinded your mind so that you will not receive the truth, that you will not see the truth. And so instead we pursue our own selfish, fallen desires. We pursue our own understanding of things that try to make us feel comfortable and things that make us feel happy. And that's okay, it seems like, on the surface. But guys, when you stand in eternity before a holy God, you will not be concerned with your happiness. You will, be discerned, you will be concerned with your holiness. And there's only one way you and I will ever stand before God holy. And that is through the gift that He has given us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because I've got a problem, unless you didn't figure it out. I'm a sinner. I do things sometimes I shouldn't do. None of you ever do that. No. We all do, guys, because we're broken. We live in a fallen world, and we're fallen. There's none righteous. No, not one. But that's why God sent His Son for you. Because God loves you. He desires that you spend eternity with Him. He desires that you don't just have life, 
but you have life abundantly. But when we try to do life in our own terms, we fall short. And that's why we need the grace God gives us. Moving along. Three, beliefs cannot change a fact. No matter how sincerely they are held, I can sincerely believe the world is flat. But that only makes me sincerely wrong. Right? Beliefs cannot change a fact, no matter how sincere they're held. I can sincerely believe the world's flat, but it's still, I'm still wrong. Truth is transcultural. Here's a good one. Truth is transcultural. Two plus two is four. Here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> okay? Jesus is good for you in America, and Jesus is good for you anywhere in the world. If I told you two plus two was five, you have every right to question that. In fact, I would invite you to question that because it's wrong. Two plus two is not five. You can do the math. You can figure it out. And when you figure it out, you can say, wait a minute. Two plus two is not five. It's actually four. I've discovered the truth. So if somebody says that Allah is the way, somebody says Buddha is the way, don't take it on lip service, guys. Do the math. That's all we're saying. Being raised in a given culture doesn't make their beliefs true. You say, well, yeah, but you were privileged to be uh, uh, born in, in, in America. You know, what about those people over in the third world country? They were raised in a different culture. They were taught differently than you. That's why they believe what they believe. For those of you who may be thinking that, I did not come to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior until I was 25 years of age. I was quite the rebellious one. Trust me. But it doesn't matter where you've been raised, what culture it is. That would be like saying being raised a Nazi makes you a Nazi. No, being raised a Nazi doesn't make Nazism true. Does that make it true? If you were raised a Nazi, therefore, because you were raised a Nazi, that makes it true. No, that's like saying being raised a racist. Does being raised a racist just doesn't make racism true, does it? Just because you're taught something, you may have been taught wrong. And if you were taught racism, you were taught wrong. Because that doesn't correspond with truth. You follow me? All right. Ooh, here we go. One's attitude doesn't change the truth. A bad attitude about truth does make it an error, does not make it an error. A good attitude about error does not make it true. The truth about truth. Contrary beliefs are possible, but contrary truths are not possible. You can believe everything is true, but everything can't be true. Contrary beliefs are possible, but contrary truths are not possible. Y'all understand what I'm saying there, right? You understand what's being said. You can believe everything is true, but everything can't be true. You, so subjectivity comes into play. That's why objectivity is where it rests. Truth is determined by facts not by beliefs. Please get that. Truth is determined by facts, not by beliefs. So here's a summary. Can all religions be true? No. They teach opposites. And opposites can't both be true. Like Ravi Zacharias said when he goes to an intersection, he looks right, he looks left, because he knows it's either going to be him or the bus. No other religions have... Do other religions have some truth? Do other religions have some truth? Yes. But since the opposite of true is false, 
If one religion is true, then all opposing, all opposing beliefs in other religions are false. Can one religion be true? Yes. If we take off our blinders and see which religion corresponds to reality. You want a definition of truth? Here's the definition of truth. Truth is that which corresponds with reality. You say, well, who's reality? Ah, the objective truth. God is the objective standard. He sets the terms. He transcends time, space, and matter. You have to transcend time, space, and matter to set the rules for time, space, and matter. The world wants to tell you time, space, and matter always existed. Really, guys? Think deeply on that one. So they want to accredit divine attributes to time, space, and matter while denying that there's a possibility that beyond time, space, and matter, something transcends in order to set the standards. So where did the law of thermodynamics come from? Because it's a law. Where's the law of gravity? Where did it come from? And if the law can be broken, oh, so you're saying there's room for miracles. Guys, they contradict themselves. Don't fall into that pit because it can cost you eternity. God has given you life and He's given you purpose and it's for His glory and it's for your good. His desire is that you would come to know Him so that you can spend eternity with Him beyond time, space, and matter. So, we'll close with these thoughts. Is there really only one way? Seems kind of narrow, doesn't it? Do you know Jesus himself said, narrow is the way. He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there will be many who will go that way. But narrow is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Look at the facts. Jesus claimed it. Jesus proved it. Jesus claimed it. Let's explore. John 14, 6. Jesus said this. I am the way. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. C.S. Lewis said it this way. Uh, Josh McDowell kind of rephrased it. I love the way he put it. Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, Or he's Lord. He is who he claimed to be. He's God. Those are your only three options. You can say, well, Jesus, I thought he was a good teacher and he's a good philosopher and he's a nice guy. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Try that to your coworker who lies to you. You're not going to call him a nice guy. Right? Your spouse lies to you about something pretty serious, right? You're not going to call that nice. Be intellectually honest. Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, he's crazy, or he's Lord. John 10, 1 and 9, he said, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. 
I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. That is a claim, that is an exclusive claim on truth. Either it's true or it's false. It can't be both. So now you have to wrestle with this in your own heart and conscience because you're being confronted with truth. Just the same way that when Jesus was on this earth, he confronted people with truth, and they had a choice. Receive it, accept it, or reject it. And the Bible says this about you and I in our heart. It tells us that we suppress the truth. That word suppress means to hold it down. We fight it. We don't want to acknowledge it. We suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's what it says. We suppress the truth in unrighteousness. What does that mean? It means I love darkness rather than light. That's why for 25 years of my life, I would much rather booze it up, drink it up with my friends, party, do the things the world does, and just... Hey, and God says, there's pleasure. There is pleasure in sin for a season. Is the pleasure of sin worth eternity somebody once asked me is your is that sin worth losing your soul for eternity his disciples affirmed it acts 4 12 salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Now I realize for some of this, this may challenge our belief system. Guys, you don't need to come to me to pray to God. You don't need a priest. You don't need a pope. You don't need men. And again, we got a way. The teachings of Scripture versus the teaching of the church. I always tell Community Baptist Church, guys, don't ever take what I tell you as being true. Examine it. Weigh it against the authority of what God has told you. And if what God has told you, and it's clear in the context, and it's clear in the Scripture, and there's no gymnastics with it, then you hold strong to what God's Word says. He says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Jesus has made a way, guys. He's torn the veil. He's gone into heaven. He has sat down at the right hand of the Father. He has made a way for us into the Holy of Holies, if you will. So, Jesus proved it. How did he prove it? He proved it by fulfilling prophecies. Look, do, your, do you want to do a study? Do this study. How many prophecies did Jesus fulfill in his life? Hundreds. There are thousands of predictions that have been written in Old Testament time from thousands of years forward. Jesus fulfilled over 300-something into the day he was crucified. I'm talking detailed stuff, guys. I'm not talking, you know, Nostradamus kind of thing, man. No, I'm talking detailed He fulfilled prophecies. He lived a sinless and miraculous life. The evidence is there. Even external people, people who do not believe the Scriptures, people who, who doubt, those skeptics, they affirm Jesus' reputation. They affirm His claims in that they find no proof to contradict it. 
But the greatest evidence in which Jesus proved he was who he claimed to be was his death and his resurrection. We are coming up on Easter. Guys, the tomb is empty. Jesus is not there. He is alive. He has ascended into glory and he is coming back to this earth in his time. And he will make all things that are wrong right. And he will come in judgment the next time he comes. The first time he came to offer peace, he came to offer grace, he offered mercy, he offered forgiveness. And he says, whosoever will, let them come. He is begging for you even this day to come to him because he alone can cleanse you, he alone can forgive you, he alone can give you life eternal and he has a place for you and he's preparing a place for you and he desires that you be with him. God loves you. He demonstrated his love toward you while you were still in your sin. He died for you. And now is your time to respond to that invitation. And you can receive it by faith. Put your trust in the finished and complete work of what Christ has done for you. Going to church doesn't make you right. Doing better doesn't make you right. Helping others does not make you right. There's only one thing that makes you right in the sight of God, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. He gave himself for you. He made a payment on your behalf. He said it's finished. He says, come unto me, all you who are labor, you are laboring, you're tired of doing things in your own power and coming up short. He says, I'll give you rest. He's already prepared the way. He's already paid it in full. It's complete. It's finished. All you need to do is by faith receive that. Believe that. Put your trust in the object of your faith. Let the object be Jesus Christ. He alone will be your holiness. And when God the Father looks at you, He won't look at the terrible things you've thought, the terrible things in your heart, the terrible things you've done in your life or that have been done to you. He will look at you and He will see His holy, righteous Son. He will forgive you because you are safe in Christ your choice and your decision. Do you receive that by faith or do you reject that? There's no other religious leader, no other religious leader who did this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you do what only you can do. I pray that you will draw hearts to yourself in this closing song of invitation. I pray that the listeners that are here will meditate, think about deeply the truth claims that have been shared. And I know we just sort of kind of just kind of glazed over the top of things. There's so much depth can be found in each of these explorations of, uh, of the facts that Christianity, the evidence that Christianity provides. But Lord, no amount of evidence can be presented that's going to save a soul. The only thing that will save a soul is if the Holy Spirit is dealing with that person, convicting them of their sin. Jesus has made the way. Jesus has provided the opportunity. The debt is paid in full. Will you suppress the truth? 
Or will you by faith receive what Christ is offering you today? He says, behold, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. He makes you a promise. He says, if anyone comes to him, anyone, he will not turn them away. He will not cast you out. I don't care what you've done in your life. If you will by faith humble yourself today and in your heart of hearts call upon the only name given under heaven to men by which to be saved. If you will call upon the name of Jesus Christ, He makes you a promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you take a step of faith today? Turn from your sin. Acknowledge to God. He knows. He knows already. But he's like a dad who's seen what his child's done. He's just waiting for his child to come to him and acknowledge it and say, Dad, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. No loving dad would turn that kid away. And I'm here to tell you, your loving daddy will not turn you away. Please, humble yourself at the foot of the cross and receive the grace we, we all desperately need. In Jesus' name, amen.